Have I mentioned it's good to be home? It is good to be home. Of course, I mowed grass all day yesterday. I got tired of mowing, but hey, that goes with it. We're in John chapter 12. We're looking at verses 27 through 41, and we will pick it up there. Philip and Andrew have come to Jesus and told Jesus, there is a group of Greeks that are here to see you. Now, Jesus has been in the temple each and every day teaching. And we do not know if Jesus spoke directly to these Greeks, or did he simply relay the message through Philip and others, uh, word to the Greeks. But the words of Jesus are profound words, and they're for all of us. And so we will look at those words. Jesus tells uh, the disciples and others listening in, he tells them how to serve God. Well, that probably is one of the most profound questions of any of our lives. What has God called me to? How do I serve him? And Jesus goes on to explain, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone, producing no increase or no fruit. Jesus tells us there is a requirement for eternal life. And he tells us also how to serve him. And there are many denominations, there are many ways and paths to serve God. But Jesus, he gets simple, he gets plain, and he tells us how to serve him. First of all, Jesus is not impressed with our position in life. <laughs> uh, he's not impressed by the schools we perhaps attend or the training that we've had or the uh, vocation we've chosen to uh, work in. But Jesus lays out God's qualifiers for service unto him. The religious leader of Jesus' day, they were educated. The Sanhedrin, the 70 that ruled over uh, the Jews were mostly Sadducees, and they were the ruling council over the Jewish faith. But Jesus had very little that was good to say about them because their hearts were far from him. Here they were to lead the people to God, but their hearts were away from God. And in fact, the Jewish leaders wanted to kill Jesus. And by the way, Jesus knew it. Jesus has told these religious leaders, you are of your father, the devil. Now that's pretty plain. <laughs> and you are liars and murderers, and you've been that way from the beginning. Now, Jesus is in his last days, last hours before the cross. And the words for these Greeks are also words for 
Jesus's followers, his disciples, and he says to them, my hour has come. My hour to be glorified is upon me. So as we move forward in Jesus's last days, few days, right before the cross, his words take on what we would call an urgency. So let's read John 12, 27 through 33. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, the voice did not come because of me, but for your sakes. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. And I, if I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all peoples to myself. This he said, signifying by what death he would die. We have Jesus making a confession here. My soul is troubled. This is the hour when Jesus went to pray in Gethsemane. John doesn't record Gethsemane, but of the other Gospels do record it. And Luke uh, brings emphasis upon the Garden of Gethsemane, and how troubled Jesus was there in the garden. So I will read you a little passage out of Luke just explaining how troubled Jesus was. And that's Luke twenty-two thirty-nine. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as was his custom, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you do not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then he sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. When he rose up from prayer and had come to his disciples, he found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, Why do you sleep? Rise up and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Jesus finds his way to his accustomed place of prayer, and the disciples go with him. Jesus kneels down to pray, and he prays, Father, if it is your will, Remove this cup from me. And he prays that three times. But he also prays, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus is so violently troubled that his sweat becomes as drops of blood that fall to the ground. That's tremendous stress. Uh, and as the Lord would have it, I was watching... TV and I'm channel surfing and I come to this weightlifting contest and there's this huge man there and he's going to try to deadlift 
and it looked like there was probably a eight, nine hundred pounds on this barbell. And a deadlift is just when you pick it up and bring it to here. You don't do anything else for it. You just bring it up to an erect standing. And this guy is straining so tremendously that he begins to bleed from the nose and mouth. And I thought of this passage about Jesus. When he was so stressed that he began to bleed drops of blood. But here in this prayer is where Jesus is at the height of his being troubled. There in Gethsemane is where agony engulfs our Lord. He prays three times, Lord, if it's your will, remove this cup from me or remove what I have to go through. None of us have ever experienced the stress or the agony that our Lord went through at this hour of his great trouble. As we know, stress will bring upon physical ailments to our body. If you're under stress for any length of period, you will develop symptoms of that stress. And John in his gospel records Jesus' simple words, Now my soul is troubled. And in Jesus' confessions, he cannot pray, Save me from this hour. He can't bring himself to avoid what awaits him. But he says, For this purpose, for this reason, I came to this hour. Jesus' entire life has pointed towards the cross. When he was a young man, he went to Jerusalem, and he told his mom when he was sitting there questioning and talking with the, the rabbis and the elders and so forth, that uh, that is, I've got to be about my father's business. His father's business, that's it. he died upon the cross. And his entire life has pointed to this. His hour of sacrifice. His hour has come. The cross awaits Jesus. And it's beyond any description we can conjure up. And Jesus simply says, my soul is troubled. But Jesus refuses to pray, Father, save me from this hour. He won't go there. He knows why he has come. Jesus acknowledges this hour of suffering. It's the reason he came to earth and the reason he became a man and took on flesh of a man. He became our sacrifice for sin, and it was necessary that he lay aside his glory and become a human being. And he, Jesus prays, Father, glorify your name. Father, your plan of salvation for mankind, it requires me to suffer. So, Father, be glorified. And then we have a voice coming from heaven. I have glorified my name and will glorify it again. There is an audible voice 
that the people around Jesus hear, and they begin to question, has it thundered? That makes you realize that God speaks in a deep voice. No, <laughs> they wondered if it thundered. But others say, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus clarifies uh, the sound of the voice. It came not for me, but so that you could hear and believe. Another sign that is given for us to believe. For judgment has come to this world, and the ruler of this world, he will be cast out, or Satan's plan is defeated when I go to the cross. And because I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw all peoples to myself. And Jesus has said this to indicate how he will die. There are three times that an audible voice from heaven or from God declares about Jesus and who he is. The first was at his baptism. And he, God the Father says, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Second was at the Mount of Transfiguration where Peter is told, Hey, Peter, hush and listen to Jesus. <laughs> and now right before the cross, God declares, I have glorified my name, our name, and will glorify it again. Now the crowd that is gathered there knows the law well enough to say, but the Christ remains forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up or crucified? So tell us plainly, who is the Son of Man? Jesus answers them. He says, a little while longer, the light is with you. Walk in the light, lest darkness overtake you. For he who walks in darkness does not know where he is going. Believe in the light while you have the light. Become sons of the light. And then Jesus departed. Jesus began his teaching, this teaching with, My hour has come. We have heard Jesus say previously, My hour has not come. But now Jesus says, It is time. My hour has come. And he tells everyone who will listen, how to be of service in his kingdom. And then Jesus speaks of being troubled. Troubled so severely that he sweats great drops of blood. And God the Father then speaks of glorifying himself and Jesus. Jesus will continue with how he must be lifted up to die. And he's lifted up on a Roman cross. And many of the people understand what he's talking about. But the people, they also have a question. Who is the Son of Man? And the Son of Man happened to be a title that Jesus used of himself. Who is the Christ? 
Jesus answers that question. He says, I'm the light. It's me. I am the way. Therefore, be of the light. Be sons of light or be children of understanding. I often marvel at why some people do not believe. What escapes them? Why can't they understand? But each and every one of us, according to Romans 1, are given a revelation of God to himself. God reveals himself to each and every man who is ever born into this world. And he reveals himself in his own way. And Jesus says, while you have light, while you have the truth, believe in the light. So you can become sons of light. John, who wrote this gospel, will now give commentary on Jesus' words or really Isaiah's prophecies. And that's in verses 37 through 41. But although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. That the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes, hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, lest they should understand with their hearts, and turn so that I should heal them. These things Isaiah said when he saw his glory and spoke of him. The hard truth, the bitter truth, although Jesus did so many signs and wonders among the people, not everyone, there were a few, but not everyone believed in him. So along with Isaiah, you and I can become discouraged. Lord, who has believed our report? What seems so obvious, so understandable to us is not understandable to the world. Lord, who has believed our report? Lori and I just got back from vacation where we were around some unbelievers. And it's hard to understand their thinking. Why don't they understand? Why don't they believe? But they didn't believe Jesus when he was here on earth. Many did not believe him or accept him. So... What responsibility do you and I have? Do we become silent? No. That's not the answer, to become silent. I think we have a responsibility as just simply being a messenger boy. We just give out the truth. Some will believe, but not all of them. Not everyone's going to believe. And if the people do not believe Jesus and all the signs that he did while there in person, they're not necessarily going to believe us. 
even those that heard the voice from heaven, God himself speaking to man, not all of them believed. So we're not to be discouraged when our witness for Jesus is rejected. We have a mission as sons of light. Simply proclaim the light and allow God and his Holy Spirit to bring it home. It's not our responsibility to make them believers if we could. It is just to present the message. Amen? Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer. Father God, we can become disheartened, discouraged when those that we love and those that we witness to and those that we speak of you to, that they don't believe. But Lord, we pray that you would take our words about you and that you would just cause our friends, our relatives, our our loved ones to just ponder on those words, just to think about them. Let them find a home in their heart, Lord. But, Lord, a person believing or not believing, that's between you and them. Let us be faithful to give out the word of truth. And that's it. your Lord and your God. And that you died to make a way of salvation for us. And cause our words to fall on ears that will hear. We pray for those that... Uh, of our family, of our loved ones that do not know you, that do not believe. We pray that they will come to believe. Strike a chord in their heart. Reveal to them your goodness, Lord. But let us, the sons of light, be faithful to give out the light. And we pray for this, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.